I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And good morning. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. We ask that you take your Bible and turn with us to Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12, as we continue on the subject of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We continue on this because of the importance of this event to our faith. We look at Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12, as we see... Oh, what a morning. What a morning. Luke chapter 24, the Bible says in verse 1, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, say, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again, and they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher. And stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wandering in himself at that which was come to pass. Our Bibles are filled with statements about the morning. We are told that our Savior prayed early in the morning. Joshua in the Old Testament is pictured as a man who rose up early in the morning. Now think of that morning in Genesis 22 when Abraham rose up early and took Isaac to Mount Moriah to sacrifice him. What a morning it was for Jacob when he awakened from sleep in the morning and set up a pillar of stones in honor of God at Bethel. It must have been a glorious morning for Daniel when the first rays of sunlight lit up the city of Babylon after that night in the lion's den. 
Imagine how beautiful the morning must have been for the disciples after they spent that terrible night on the Sea of Galilee in that storm. All of these that I've just mentioned were great mornings. However, none of them can compare to the morning that is discussed in the passage we've just read. I'd like for us to spend some time today looking at that great morning when our Lord Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave forever. There's never been a morning like that before, nor shall there ever be one like it hereafter. What a morning it was when our Savior rose again. What a morning it was when he pulled the stinger from death and gave life eternal to all those who place their faith in him. What a morning it was. And please understand that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ has effects that reach down to this very day, for he is alive today, right now. In verse 1 we see it was a morning of solemn reflections. As the morning began to dawn on the first day of the week after Jesus has died on the cross, some women came to the tomb to finish anointing the body of our Lord for his burial. Now this anointing process had been started by Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea on the day that our Lord died in John chapter 19, verses 38 through 42. And while these women were heading to the tomb, our Lord's disciples were locked up inside the upper room, trembling in fear that the same kind of death that Jesus had met awaited them also. John chapter 20 and verse 19. Certainly, these women were sad and the disciples were scared, just as Jesus had said. The shepherd had been smitten and the sheep had been scattered, according to Mark chapter 14 and verse 27. Now, why are they so upset? They had all believed Jesus would be the Messiah. They had placed their faith in him and they had expected that he would set up his kingdom throwing off the Roman yoke of bondage. Even though he had told them of the cross and of the resurrection. They had never grasped the message or the meaning of Christ's words. And now, now he's dead. The one that they had placed all of their hopes in was gone. This man who had so radically changed their lives by his power and had demonstrated the love and power of God to them had died a violent and humiliating death. Surely it was a sad day for his believers, for his followers. And as I reflect on the sadness of the disciples, I understand their grief. For even Paul spoke about it in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 19. He tells us that if Jesus were dead this morning, then we 
all have reason to grieve. If Jesus is dead, then we're all headed to hell and none has hope beyond this life. And even in this life, we're most miserable. Yes, it was a morning of solemn reflections. Verses 2 through 12 reminds us it was also a morning of startling revelations. For in the midst of their sadness on this morning, God the Father took great pains to minister to the needs of their hearts. Aren't you glad the Lord cares about your hurt? He moved in several mighty ways to encourage the hearts of these saddened believers. Just a few things that he did where he rolled the stone away from the tomb in verse 2. Mark gives the account in chapter 16. Matthew gives the same account in Matthew 28. We must understand that tomb did not have to be unsealed for Jesus to walk out. It was not rolled away to let Jesus escape. That stone was rolled away to allow man the opportunity to look in and see that our Savior has in fact risen from the dead. In addition to rolling away the stone, he sent an angelic messenger with the good news that Jesus was alive from the dead. Verses 4 through 7. Also recorded in Matthew 28 verses 2 through 7. Mark chapter 16 verses 5 through 7. Never has the world heard a message like that one. It still reverberates through the halls of time and will throughout eternity. He is alive. He rose from the dead. Decay, the death has no dominion over him. He's God. And he had a word of encouragement for Peter who had denied him in Mark chapter 16 verse 7. He met Mary Magdalene outside the tomb in John chapter 20. She had been a great follower of the Lord Jesus and God had been so good to her and she had great love for the master. Great love begets great love. And he left a message for his followers inside the tomb, John chapter 20, verses 5 through 8. I'll let you study that and see the message that he left his followers inside the tomb. It has to do with the napkin being folded. Now the Orient custom for a napkin, when a man had servants and he was eating a meal, he would use his napkin to signal to them during the course of the meal his intentions. If he left the table and wadded up his napkin, it meant that he was finished and he would not be back. If, however, he neatly folded the napkin, he told that by his actions, told that to his servants that he was stepping away for a moment, but he would be back. Now, that illustration, that bit of history, that bit of tradition of the Orient custom of the napkin is recorded in several sources. Some sources of history do not record it. But I have to think that there's a message there that Jesus wanted us to see in the napkin being folded. And I believe that Jesus was telling his disciples, 
I may be out of your sight right now, but I will be back. Because, my friend, that's what he told them. He also revealed himself to other disciples as he traveled, Luke chapter 24. There were many other things that took place on that resurrection morning that marked it as a great and glorious glorious day. For us, 2,000 years removed from the resurrection, the message has not changed one bit. We still need to hear the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead. He is alive and there's hope for tomorrow. And that person who is trapped in sin sees no avenue of escape. They need to know that Jesus made the only way to be set free by their sin. You need to know, dear friend, that if you come to Christ for salvation, if you come to Christ for help, that he will be there to hear you. He will be there to save you. He will be there to help you through this life. Everyone in the world needs to know that Jesus is alive. And I thank God for the proof that he's alive. I have been into the tomb in Jerusalem, and I have taken fact that Jesus Christ is not there. I was more impressed and more excited about what I didn't see than what I did see. He's not there. There's a song that we sometimes sing on Resurrection Day. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of chair. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me. Along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. The Bible says, and as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and suppose that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. When he had thus spoken, He showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat it before them. Here's Jesus. He is merely proving to his followers that he is alive, that he is raised from the dead, not just in spirit, but in flesh. His body 
was raised from the dead. And while the disciples were cowering in the upper room out of fear for their lives, something miraculous happened in their presence. Jesus, the one who had died just three days before, were standing in their midst. And they were terrified. They thought they saw a ghost. But Jesus had some news to tell them. He showed them the nail piercings in his hands and in his feet to prove that he was real. He offered to let them touch him. Then he sat down with them to eat. Most of the disciples hadn't believed until this moment. Now they are convinced Jesus Christ is alive. And the statement from this text which says, and while they yet believed, not for joy and wondered, means that it seemed too good to be true. They were beside themselves with joy. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was an exciting moment for the disciples of our Lord. And this is what happens. And this is what needs to happen in the lives of many people living in this world today. Men need to realize that Jesus Christ is more than a baby in a manger or some poor old fella who got himself crucified. He is more than a story in a dusty old book. People need to understand that Jesus Christ is alive. He is real. He is real. And that he is the only hope people have of missing hell. He is the only hope people have for forgiveness of sin. He is the only hope people have of getting to heaven. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It is about the fact that he died for our sins while we were yet sinners, Romans 5 and verse 8. It is about the fact that he was buried and three days later he kicked the back door out of the tomb forever and made a way for you and me to enter into eternal life by only merely trusting him as our Savior. Who is Jesus to you? I ask you, who is Jesus Christ to you? Is he just a story on the page of a book or is he real in your heart this morning? You see, just knowing about Jesus and what he did will not save your soul. You have to know him in a personal, real way before you can be saved from your sins and from an eternity in hell. Who is Jesus to you? It's a question that must be faced by all men Jesus posed it to his own disciples. Mark chapter 15, 16 and verse 15. Whom say ye that I am? Peter had the right answer. Do you? Another question that needs to be asked and answered is the one asked by Pilate in Matthew 27 and verse 22. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? 
What is your answer? What's your answer to these important questions today? But my friend from verses 44 to 48, but my friend, it was a morning of spiritual repercussions. As they ate that first resurrection morning, Jesus began to tell his disciples that God's plan was to save the world. They had been called by the Father to be witnesses of that, and they were to spread the news that a great spiritual victory had been won by Jesus when he rose from the dead. When Jesus arose from the dead, old enemies that had plagued man since sin entered into the world were forever defeated that very day. I'll give you a few of them right now. Number one, death. Imagine the struggle that ensued early that morning as death had to give up the prince of life. No more would death be able to claim the victory and sting the human race with its bitter curse. Jesus entered into death's domain and rendered it helpless. Now for the child of God, death is merely the doorway from this land of sorrow to that heavenly land of splendor where every tear shall be wiped from every eye and the saints of God will live forever in the glorious presence of an exalted Savior. Secondly, hell. When Jesus entered death for mankind, he descended into a place called hell. He went to the paradise portion of that land of the dead. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. This was the same place that the redeemed thief on the cross went to when he died in Luke chapter 23. Jesus went down there and proclaimed liberty to every person in that place who had died looking forward to his coming in faith, according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Then... When he arose from the dead and ascended to his Father in heaven, the Bible tells us that he took those souls with him to the Father in heaven. Ephesians 4, verses 8 through 10. And now all those who believe in Jesus go directly to the Father when they leave this world. Hell has forever been removed from the child of God. He also conquered the grave. Another enemy that died that day was the grave. All his life, man lives in fear of that moment when he will lay down his body in death. Everybody's ready to go to heaven, but we're always ready and willing and wanting to fight for that next breath. I'm afraid we have the wrong perspective when it comes to the grave. That hole in the ground is nothing more than a place to store this old, worn-out, sin-ridden carcass until the day of the resurrection. And when we lay this flesh down in death, our spirit ascends to the Father in heaven, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. And the next time we see our bodies, they will be glorified and they will be like his body. One of these days, the grave will have to give up the body that has been placed there and the body will be forever changed into the one just like that is worn by our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So instead of weeping at the side of a departed saint, we ought to shout ourselves hoarse 
They have outstripped us. They've outlapped us. And they're already home with Jesus in glory. What a blessing to know. Another thing that was defeated was sin. Sin died that day. Now in truth, sin had been taken care of three days earlier on the cross, but the resurrection of Christ from the dead is the Father's amen to the sacrifice of the Son on the cross. You see, a dead Savior can't save anyone, but one who is alive can save all who come to him by faith, Hebrews 7 verse 25. That is a big verse. It promises great things to everyone who will believe its message. Folks, sin doesn't have to defeat you. Jesus won that victory over sin on the cross, nailed its coffin lid shut when he arose from the dead. You can be free by faith in Christ, Satan. I'll just mention one more enemy that took a beating that day. His name is Satan, the devil, old Slewfoot, the dragon, the accuser of the brethren. That old serpent, whatever name you want to call him, the outcome is still the same. He's the enemy of God and of the people of God. He tried every way he could to short circuit Christ's plans to go to the cross. He killed the babies in Bethlehem. He was in the storm on the Galilee. The temptation of Christ, the oppression of Christ in Gethsemane. However, Jesus endured every temptation. He weathered every storm. He made it to the cross because nothing can hinder his plans. And when he cried, it is finished, Satan heard the foundations under his kingdom begin to crack. And three days later, when Jesus arose from the dead, Satan witnessed the total destruction of every plan and every scheme. He saw his power broken and himself judged. He was defeated forever by the Lord Jesus. You want to read about the devil's future? Turn to Revelation chapter 20 in your own time, verses 1 through 3, and then go down to verses 7 through 10. Victory has forever been won over Satan. Do you believe it? Do you understand it yet? Because Christ lives, you and I are saved by the grace of God. Because he lives, we can have our sins washed away. Because he lives, we can go to heaven when we leave this world. Because he lives, the grave has no power over those who believe. Because he lives, eternal life is our present possession. Because he lives, one day we too will live with him in that heavenly city. Because he lives, I'll never have to take a step in this world alone. Because he lives, there's hope, there's help, and there's a home awaiting us in eternity. Because he lives, I'm alive. Because he lives, my sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Because he lives, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because he lives, God is my Father. Because he lives, sin has no more dominion over me. Because he lives, I'm saved forever. And the list can go on and on. What you and I need to understand this morning is that Jesus Christ lives. Oh, what a moment when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He lives. And he lives. He lives for you.